let's hit record. Yeah, no, I don't mean I don't I don't mind at all. I've been really excited to to like talk to you. You were one of the when I thought about doing this, you were one of like the first people I thought about wanting <laughs> to do it with. That's such just, a hunter, man. No, it's nice, but yeah, I guess I'll. I don't know. Check one two. Yeah, yeah, it's even got levels there. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess I can just pray and then we can just talk about whatever. Yeah, it doesn't even. I mean, I just figured we just record yeah. the conversation, hang out. But all right. Well, Father, we just come before you right now, and we thank you for this time that uh, we get to share, and just um, just for uh, that we get a fellowship together and everything. And I just uh, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you just manifest here and exalt Jesus, and just give us um, the right speech and wisdom, and let your wisdom and light be made known. And um, we just want to exalt and magnify Jesus in everything that we do. And um, we just thank you for um, clarity and peace and comfort and um we just thank you for your mercy and your love too um blessing and honor and glory and power to you forever amen amen sweet cool man yeah so what's been going on with you what's on your heart anything new well i think over the last year or two um there's been this stirring and it's been like um contrasting organic against um industrialized and so basically, everything that's evil is industrialized, and everything that's like good is organic. And a lot of people are reaching for organic foods, and, and you see this organic movement with food and stuff, but there's not really a spiritual connection between organic food and, and God or whatever. It's just it's a good thing. Um, but when I say organic, I mean like, um, I've been seeing almost like how in... Like, the church has become industrialized. Yeah. And so we've wanted to make church bigger and bigger and bigger. And in order to do that, we've kind of been adopting these industrialized ideas, you know, um, where things are like an assembly line. or Yeah, you know, yeah. And there's a lot of ways yeah. that that in, in industrialization is like every everybody's a brick in the wall. And, and, and then you're building a big wall with a whole bunch of bricks, but every brick has to be exactly the same size and fit. Yeah, yeah. In the same way, like, church members have to be exactly the same size. And everybody, church members are just coming and filling the pews, but they're not really, like, um, being activated in their individual gifts, you know? Yeah. Um, see, uh, an industrial farmer focuses on the seed and getting good seed, like Monsanto creates seeds, but... An organic farmer focuses on the soil because an organic farmer knows that if you can create really good soil, then any type of seed you plant in will grow a larger tree. That's really good. And what yeah. I've been seeing is how, like, we've we've been focusing on these industrialized models. If we, oh, we can get the best, uh, you know, preacher, the best pastor up there to, to create something for us all to mimic and copy, then we can all be like the same seed. But yeah. industrialized seeds don't don't reproduce, you know, like your GMO or, or whatever. But organically, if we, I believe that God wants the church to be a type of soil that is so rich in nutrients that if you drop in an apple seed, it'll grow into an apple tree. If you drop in an orange seed, it'll grow into an orange tree. And I believe that this focus, um, there's a movement going on where the, the focus is shifting into smaller church and stuff. Like I, I know a yeah. lot of people... You know, um, I guess a lot of, especially from the millennial generation, that, but that's kind of obvious because they're, you know, wanting things non-mainstream and stuff. But overall, even amongst adults, seeing a lot of people that are just kind of done with the 
large the the, the mega church model, you know, yeah. and the big yeah. church model, and people are walking away from that into these smaller expressions, and they're desiring smaller expressions, and um, I think that because in a in a smaller expression. There's more room for individuality to come up. Like yeah, a yeah. Profit. it's a lot more personal. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. A prophet can be a prophet. A teacher can be a teacher. You yeah. really can be yourself more. And people are able to not only walk in their unique giftings, but also able to just have an outlet. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, um, when you're in a big congregation, only one person is speaking in the microphone. No one else is able to yeah, yeah. be activated to do what they're doing. To do, yeah. And, and everybody's just kind of... Um, Kind of, kind of just sitting there, and I think there's a restlessness that's going on with people where they know they oh, yeah. have giftings that aren't being exercised. They know that they're called for more than just being being a pew warmer, you know, like actually being able to. And so, um, I think smaller church is better, and people think that smaller church is somehow like a defeated idea because you know God wants you to have big numbers, but I think God likes more. God's into more, more like multiplication, you know. So, yeah. So like the 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 industrialized church wants to keep adding to the church and make it bigger and bigger, but an organic church wants to multiply the church. It, you, you know, where you like like an apple tree grows real big, and then you take a seed and you plant it somewhere else, and it can grow real big as well. Yeah. And, and a, a, a multiplication is a better end game anyway, because yeah. there's more fruit coming out of that than just trying to make the one bigger. Yeah, yeah. In a smaller group, like you said, it's a lot more personal. You can minister more one on one and really meet people's needs and their hearts and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. So those are some of the things I've been seeing. Is um, the pe- people really reaching out for this organic small church expression? And sometimes it's different, like like different soils. I think there's different small groups rising up that one might have a focus on worship and one might have a focus on evangelism or whatever the yeah. same way. But those are different kind of trees, you know. And yeah. Stuff. And so, but it's good to have like a diversity. You know, even organic farmers know. know that if you don't plant a diversity of crops, you can run into a lot of problems. But planting diversity of crops actually helps keep the bugs away and helps do a lot of different things. There's power in, in diversity, but also in um, not just diversity within every individual group or a small church group, but also diversity like that this group is doing something different than that group. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because some people are reaching for like a small group model. Like how do we like oh let's let's get a small group let's get a group of believers together now how do we do small group yeah and then they start looking to uh, some big person to tell them how to do small group and then I'm seeing a lot of cases where these small groups are coming together and they'll watch a DVD about how to do small group and it's like yeah, well, yeah. if you're gonna do small yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna get a small group together and watch a DVD <laughs> you might as well get together in the same room and be surrounded by a thousand people watching the same DVD you know like or watching the same person live it's not yeah it's um it's it's a that's a one directional flow and a lot of industrial church is one direction where it comes comes from the stage goes to the people but i think god's wanting a two-directional flow where people are ministering to each other you know and able to you know have questions answered things like that true discipleship is this smaller group the cell group kind of model yeah and so I don't know what the right n- number equation is when you draw the threshold, but may- maybe as few as 12 people, maybe as many as like 20 or 30 people or something. But I think once you get to a certain point in how your numbers are growing, there's, there's a diminishing return. 
yeah. where like each person isn't receiving the same quality that they would receive in a smaller group. And that's when a lot of people know, have a deep wisdom to grow to a certain point and split. You know, like I was part yeah. of a group that grew from like eight guys to 20 guys and then they split into two two groups of guys. So that the, they the, keep the men's group? Yeah. So, yeah, I was, yeah, when they, they did that, for, it was for a short bit and then it <laughs> kind of diminished a little bit too. Yeah, I remember that. That was, yeah, it grew pretty big for a while. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was really smart of them to, to keep it, um, yeah, personal in that way. That's really, I like all that imagery too. Sorry, my, and like, my mind starts <laughs> yeah, thinking, you see the imagery, when you start yeah. talking, my mind starts thinking through, but all the imagery with like the different soils and, uh, and, and just, um, yeah, the right kind of soil and just, I don't know, that's just kind of, there's so many things in the natural you can make in comparison to the spiritual with all of that too. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, there's one thing I remember you said a while back too that I like really, I really want to see it happen, and it really fascinates me. Um, was well, I like how you just mentioned that that you have um, these different small groups of like you know evangel. You have like different kind of movements within the mm-hmm. small groups. But I remember one time you mentioned that that a, a church, like like you hadn't yet seen a church that had all the the five. Yeah, the fold, fivefold. The fivefold in, in that church. And I don't know that I've seen that either. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's really that rare, mm-hmm. but it's like the ones, like I've thought about that since then, and it's like the ones that actually you see more of that seem mm-hmm. to thrive a lot more or be a lot healthier. Yeah, exactly. Like even with Mike Bickle, I mean, they mm-hmm. had Bob Jones, so there was like a good teacher, and then yeah. they had a prophet. And then uh, even Bethel, I mean, well, Bethel Church is huge too, mm-hmm. but they have... Bill Johnson's a great teacher, then Chris Volatin's prophet, but, mm-hmm. but I don't yeah. know. That'd yeah, exactly, really, seeing that, that diversity, yeah. Yeah, that'd be really cool to see, even within, I mean, within small groups, I think that'd be great to have, like, yeah. one, one of each and stuff, but mm-hmm. that's, you have to, like, I just feel like, man, it just keeps coming up, like, humility. Yeah, yeah, like everybody's key for that. Yeah, for everything, yeah, because huh. prophets are weird, man. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to tame the tongue, you know, and a lot of... I mean, I, I I I know people that are just a handful of really true prophets. Yeah, a true prophet is a man of few words, you know, or yeah. a man or woman of few words. And uh, a lot of people like to talk so much; they want to highlight their own words. Like in your Bible, you flip through almost every page, and you see like highlighted parts and stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. well, if you um, and and so then when you come back and look at it, you know, there's word print, but there's some words are highlighted. You know, and I like that term highlight because God has a way of highlighting you. Like you can meet a complete stranger on the street or be going through a grocery line or a waiter at a table. I was with you and we went to a gas station and the and I've been trying to evangelize the girl at the gas station for a while. And you walked in and she was like, wow, there's just something about you. She asked you, well, what sign are you? Because she didn't understand yeah, Christianity. Yeah. She was like, are you what's what's your sign? There's something weird about you. And um. The Lord was highlighting you to her. He, the yeah. Lord. So we just live our lives normally, and the Lord puts the highlighter over us, you know, yeah. and with certain people. Well, I think what happens with these prophets is sometimes they try to highlight themselves. Oh, so yeah. they'll say, "Thus saith the Lord," just so you'll pay more attention to them or whatever. Or sometimes they'll act a certain way or whatever, and and it's a it's a form of self promotion. Yeah, and it's not really necessary because the Lord is more than able to highlight. Yeah, like, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, I've said things to people without any type of highlighting, just random things. And then they would say back to me, dude, I feel like God is showing me something through what you're saying right now. Like, 
because they hi- highlighting like okay with I think in today's concept context prophecy is really good when it's confirmed by 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 somebody else you know sometimes yeah. I'll share a word with somebody and I'll say hey I'm just going to believe with you that God will confirm this through another thing so you can hear it from two different sources yeah. you yeah. know or or sometimes the word will show me that what I'm sharing is already confirming. So yeah. I'd be like, hey, I'm going to share this with you. I want to be surprised if it's confirming something somebody else already said and just share it with them. But um, there's a lot of peace in knowing that you can just live your life and be yourself and not have to um, walk in this type of um, front. You know what I mean? Or walk in, a, walk in a certain way where you're always like almost like walking on eggshells or something. Or eggshells is the wrong term, but... Are you, are you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to maintain the status quo. You, you can just yeah. be normal, be yourself, talk freely, you know. And sometimes that freedom includes a little bit of sarcasm, you know, having a sense of humor, watching sports. It's okay to be normal yeah, and yeah. stuff. And, and the Lord will still use you and speak to people through you. Yeah. And I, I think some people get off in trying to always maintain a certain imagery where they're basically just highlighting themselves. Yeah, yeah. When it's, yeah, it's not necessary, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's not, I mean, not just prophets that do that. I feel like we all run the risk of doing that, too. I guess yeah. Everybody. And I, I guess where, when I said prophets are weird, I didn't rest necessarily mean it in that sense. I guess just mean, like, when you think about Bob Jones, yeah. like, especially him, I think he was more of, like, a seer or something. Mm-hmm. So like, he starts talking, and you're like, well, just start talking about the color blue or something. And it's yeah. like you need to be in his head with him. And so it's kind of like they just... They'll give these weird pictures and images where you're just like, I don't know. If you're not humble, then you just think they're weird and push yeah. them off. as like mm-hmm. they're just being all mystical or something. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, I don't know. But, I mean, I love that stuff. Like, I, like and, and I love, like, even, but, like, like, I mean, you, I think you're a great teacher. And God's used you with prophecy also and just casual words. And yeah. Stuff, yeah, and stuff like that. I don't know. But it'd be really cool to see that come. That's why I like the men's group a lot, too, is because mm-hmm. that you get, like, a lot of different of the, the mix. Yeah. And each guy there seems to be growing in their personal relationship with God, which is leading to their own... Their, you can see the working of his heart in each one of them. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're not... They don't back down from... They don't try to act like one another. It's like... Yeah. Like Pete's Pete. Exactly. Yeah, he's... Clear example of an evangelist yeah. in a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's cool. There's a there's a real, a real freedom in that, you know. And time and time again, I think the body of Christ is reflective of family. In the Bible, it's it's clear. But and so it's like you know, you, there's a newborn, and you adopt the newborn into your fold, and then you're pouring extra time, extra focus on the newborn, and really, you know, loving on them and stuff but the the children of the house no matter what age they are feel accepted and they feel a uniqueness you know like you you never feel like you're having to compete with your sisters for your father's affirmation or anything like that you know yeah yeah you really and you would just have that freedom and your father rejoices in the freedom of your individuality and stuff and so there's just a deep kind of affirmation and acceptance yeah in in an industrialized model that's not there um, I, I think it, it gets in its darkest place where you see people running on a treadmill and there's no finish line, or people like running a race with no finish line, where they keep on going and keep growing and keep fighting and never really feeling affirmed. Or I guess a clear example would be people trying to be somebody that they're not. 
Yeah. You know, like you see entire congregations where, you know, a certain type of minister is is more the model than the others. You know, like I've been to uh, Baptist churches where if you don't have your MDiv, you have no business speaking from the pulpit, you know. Okay. Or, um, you know, you might go to uh, urban style churches where if you don't hoop holler and sweat and scream and, and stuff and dance around when when you're preaching, then you're not as an, as anointed or as... As yeah. as you know, invested as the person who's more emotional, you know. Yeah. And and then what happens is you have people then trying trying to mimic that. Yeah. Rather than being themselves, you know. Yeah. The, the same way you have GMO plants being all the same, rather than the individuality of the different, you know. And yeah. So I, I like to see a context where there's so much like encouragement and affirmation and vulnerability and freedom and humility. And uh, just patience and love and hope where all these different things are in place so that the individuality of people can come out in the same context. Yeah. You know, it's a, we're, all, we're all different plants growing in the same, like, one-acre field of dirt, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. yeah. And the different plants do different things for the soil, too, and everything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the way we all we all minister, like if you want to make a good meal, you need one of every plant, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. That that'd be it'd be cool to see more of that and just, um. I mean, so what what do you think about um the the big church? Do you think there's actually a place for that, or do you think that will start to kind of uh, split apart in the future? To, or? to be honest, I believe it's the end of an era. Yeah. I, I believe that from 1967 until 2007 was a 40-year dispensation of time. Now, that's debatable because there's 40-year dispensations and there's also 50-year dispensations. So it could have ended. I'm sure it started in 1967. The whole world shifted in 1967. Yeah. And so 67 um, was the beginning. The, the Jesus movement. Israel gains control of Jerusalem um, yeah. for the first time, you, you know. Um and the Six Day War, and everything. so the whole world shifted, nineteen sixty seven. But I believe that that nineteen sixty seven, I believe, was the beginning of an era, and that ended in two thousand and seven, or it ended in two thousand seventeen. Forty or fifty year dispensation of time, and so during that time, uh, basically the model of the church was the mega church model, and it was this, you know, it's almost like you were storing your reputation in a sense, where you'd go out and preach and then people like you and then you publish a book and people like your book and then you have more reputation and you preach to larger crowds and you steward that but people keep getting multiplied and I mean I really applaud that during those four, more people got saved during those 40 years than any century prior so wow. it really is you know we want to give give all you know give um, respect to whom respect is due and stuff and I believe that God wanted that. Like, give honor to whom honor is due. God wanted... That was God's model for that season, the mega yeah, church yeah. big model. But I think that that era is over. Yeah. You know, the same way, like, hymns, like the small small churches and, and singing hymnals and stuff, and doing feet washings, all those things from back in the day, those kind of ended. The tent revivals ended and all that stuff from the pre-1967. And some people hold on to those old models, but... You know, we're not seeing hymns anymore. We're in a new era. And so I think there's different dispensations of time. There's different eras. And so the same way an era began in 1967, I believe it's kind of ended. And now a new era is beginning. 
And um, that's exciting. Yeah, it really is. I mean, we live at at a transition in time. I call it a pillar of time. And some 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 people never experience that level of transition their entire lives. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's eras that lasted over a hundred years where people just that's what church looked like. Yeah. You know? But um, and like you said before, like I think people are sensing that because you said that people are seem to be kind of stirred up and wanting to get out, restless in a sense, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I, honestly, anybody who's listening to this, I'm sure they're, they're probably seeing the same thing of that. Um, okay, so through the 80s and 90s, throughout most of our lives, yeah, you, you, you can almost measure somebody by their level of devotion by church attendance, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and then the people that weren't attending church were the, one, were the ones who were backsliding out of it. And and so people would backside out of church attendance, or they'd be really spiritually mature and attend church and stuff. But now, I challenged the pastor with this. I, I told him, I go, look, if you just take a, you know, you've been pastoring the same church fifteen years. If you look at the last two years and look at what members have left your church, and then compare that to the decades prior, you'll probably notice that in the last two years, you've been losing all of your really mature members. When yeah. in decades prior, the ones you lost were the ones who were falling away yeah, and stuff. And so I don't think we're running into a problem where people are backsliding out of church attendance. I think it's almost like people are ascending the hill even higher out of church yeah. attendance. You yeah. Know? yeah, I remember saying and, that before. Yeah, because yeah. the, there's so many examples of it. And some of the most spiritually mature people I know that I'm talking to all over the place, they're all experiencing the same thing where they're like, this mainstream church just doesn't cut it. I feel yeah. grieved in my spirit. I just got to get away. I can't do it anymore. I know. And I'm done with it. And those were the same people that were all in, super devoted for decades at a time, you know? Yeah, what scares me the most is when you don't see that now. Mm-hmm. Like, that freaks me out when you go to a church and everybody just seems totally complacent. Yeah. And I'm like, what's happening? Like, mm-hmm. he's just, I don't know. It's like they seem to sleep. Yeah. Or something. And it's, yeah, that's what scares me more yeah. when, when you actually see that, where people aren't don't necessarily seem stirred up or hungering hungering for more but i think that i feel like every, uh, i've talked to so many people too and i think everybody kind of sent, feels that same way like there's there's a shift yeah. why is that i know you just said 40 or 50 why why is that oh okay well number? throughout I've the year there, yeah there are a lot of 40 okay so moses left okay egypt yeah. at 40 okay. and then he came he came back at moses uh he was born at the age of 40 he left Egypt at the age of 80 he came back and said let my people go then they wandered through the desert for 40 years and he died so his life was three 40 year dispensations of time yeah Solomon yeah. reigned for a 40 year dispensation David reigned for a 40 year dispensation uh, Saul reigned for a 40 year dispensation there's a lot of 40 year dispensations in the Bible a uh, 40 yeah. I just saw I can't remember what it was too. I, just, I actually just saw another one too and I wrote down mm-hmm. uh Maybe it was with Caleb. I can't remember. It was another yeah. another weird one, yeah, in the Bible. And I wrote down Moses next to it because I remember. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the 40, 40, 40, 40, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so there's a lot of, there's, there's, there's a lot of 40 year dispensations of time and that come to an end. Um, and then the 50s, is that just Jubilee, sort of? Is that what Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, so uh, the, the 49 and the 50 is like a Sabbath of Sabbaths. So there's seven year cycles of time where, like, you know, you plant for six years and then you rest on the seventh mm-hmm. year. But then outside of that, there's a Sabbath of Sabbaths, which is like a 49-year dispensation of time where they then have the year of Jubilee and all the debts are wiped clean and all that stuff. And 
uh, year a, a, a jubilee happens once in every person's lifetime. They experience it at some time, but it's every fifty years. The um, it gets really deep. Uh, okay, so numerically, God works proportionate um, in numbers of ten. For example, there were twelve disciples and there were twelve tribes of Israel, but there were a hundred and twenty people in the upper room, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah. you see the same thing going on of like twelve and hundred twenty. You see it with sevens and seventies a lot. Like like there's a lot of examples where there's a seven year this and a seventy year that working in tandem. Uh, Jesus, he was thirty years old and his ministry was three years. And there's a lot of ways that God uses the same number in proportions of ten. Uh, there's 4,000 years between Adam and Jesus, but there's a lot of 400-year dispensations of time. Like, uh, from Noah until the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah is about uh, 400 years from Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, which was... Sodom and Gomorrah happened right on the, um, Abraham and the birth of Isaac. And so from the birth of Isaac until the uh, the Israelites coming out of Egypt, basically, birth of Isaac until Moses... Is a four hundred year dispensation of time, and then I and the Lord showed me that if I start counting from the time they entered into the Promised Land, that exactly four hundred years later is when Saul was anointed king. So you you know how like the yeah. the, the people are crying out, "Give us a king instead of a prophet." So for four hundred years there is a season of theocracy, where God literally you know the prophets Moses ruled over the people and then the 400 years after that was a season of like a king like a monarchy a, mm-hmm. of a king ruling so everything shifted with Saul and then um, so there's all these 400 year dispensations of time and the Lord showed me this model for it and then um, it, hap- it happened later like from the end of the Old Testament until the birth of Jesus was 400 years okay. and then about 400 years after Jesus was the fall of Rome Okay. And then after the fall of Rome came the Saxon Empire with like the the, the Vikings and all that and the the um, you know Saxons uh, um, all that and Saxons had the Saxon Empire was exactly four hundred years, like four twenty six A D. Wow. Four twenty six A D to eight twenty six A D. And then at the end of the Saxon Empire, there was the 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 the, the English monarchy, and so um, there's these four hundred year dispensation of time. Well, what's interesting is so. You remember how I said that Saul, David, and Solomon all reigned for 40 years at a time? Yeah. And Moses had the 340s? Well, one of Moses' 40 years... See, one of Moses' 40-year points lined up with the 400 years of Egypt. So the pillar of time was not only marked and divided into 340s, but it was also marked divided up into three 400s. And so oftentimes you see the 40 and the 400 fall on the same year. Uh, and then same way uh, Saul and David. So f- uh, the f- so from Moses, let's see, from yeah, um, Moses until Saul was 400 years. And then from Saul to David was 40 years. The same way from Isaac until Moses was 400 years, but from... Uh, Moses until the the promised land was 40. So you see 40 and 400 is fine at the same time. Well, 1967, there's a lot of stuff to back up 1967, but 1607 was really key. In 1607, we planted a, a cross, dedicated America as a Christian nation, and simultaneously in 1607, King James um, 
basically broke the back of the Catholic Church and had a Bible made in common English. See, because the Catholic Church maintained dominance yeah. over the people <laughs> through through the Dark Ages, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you're right. This is really deep. <laughs> like, so so yeah. the, the, to, to keep it real simple, 400-year dispensations of time and 40-year yeah. dispensations fall in the same year. So that's why I mark 2007 as the transition because 1607 to 2007 is 400 years. And then 1967 to 2007 is 40 years. So I believe 2007 was the year that everything shifted. And we're still seeing big churches everywhere, but they're running on old it's like the airplane is still soaring but the the motors aren't turning anymore mm-hmm. they're just they just have enough momentum and enough of a business model to carry on on their own but meanwhile god's doing so, something different you know yeah, yeah. kind of like you know the prophet goes and anoints david to be king when he's 16 and he begins doing something different in david but yet the whole kingdom is still being ran by saul you know yeah yeah, and yeah. When, when people talk about this generation they talk about david a lot and is I the upcoming generation? Yeah, the, yeah. The, the new dispensations like David and the old dispensations like Saul. That, that, it, that's, um, I'm trying, like, I'm keeping up with you, I think. Like, I hope, I hope people listening are. Oh, yeah. It's easy, it got easier with the visuals, I guess. I think it's just, I'm, I'm processing in my head too because I'm, I'm trying to, like, uh, th- like, I, I guess I, I, like, I know you think it, you think it numbers a lot too, a lot mm-hmm. more than I do. And I like I really value that, and because I've never really seen any of that or thought any of that. But I guess my mind's kind of going to the the symbolism of, of it too, mm-hmm. and like and then the fact that you said this generation coming up is people have referred to it as a generation of David, um, and I I like you maybe you could like weigh in your opinion on this. Also, I've just been recently. Like looking when I when I'm looking at David and thinking of David, I I like they say, "Son of David, have mercy on me." Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there's another person in the Bible that that really exalted God's mercy as much as him. Mm-hmm. Is that? I mean, maybe that's just me. I guess I was going to yeah. get your opinion on that. Uh, what you think about that? Because it seems like he even with Saul, he was constantly showing Saul mercy. Yeah, and then he received a bunch of mercy from God later mm-hmm. on through things but david just seems to like kind yeah because his son his son was tr- tr- trying to kill him at one point or something like that and yeah the fight for the throne yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um it seemed like the like david exalted the never-ending mercy of god but at mm-hmm. the same time david's mercy was almost unending yeah on, on top of it and so that being like this upcoming generation mm-hmm. Do you think we'll see like kind of just a move and a wave towards that? Just yeah, more of more mercy, more yeah. merciful. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that's cool. I think where mercy is different from grace is mercy is always talking about the past, yeah, and grace is always talking about the future, yeah. And so where the grace message gets off is when people are talking about grace. I almost want to challenge them: Are you talking about past grace or future grace? Yeah, because past grace. Oh, don't don't even think twice about all the bad things you've done. Yeah, that, you know the Lord wipes that away, clean slate. That's true. Yeah, yeah, but that's past grace. But when people take that and apply it towards future grace, it's yeah. like a license to sin and stuff like that. Yeah, and so seeing past and future is different. But past grace is mercy. Yeah, uh, gr- yeah, yeah. the word grace means future, and the word mercy kind of means past. It's yeah. like the way I see it. I yeah, mean, yeah. And stuff, and so I think that yeah, this generation is more than willing to give 
overabundant mercy to people that have struggled from sexual addiction and perversion, drug addiction, uh, you, you know, false religions, uh, whatever the case may be, abuse, greed, anger. Yeah. Um, there's the uh, there's a, a way to really give a lot of mercy. It's it's not as judgmental. Yeah, I've been really, really. I mean, that like the. Dude, I mean, I can't even stress it enough. The last last year, I mean, there's this huge prayer of mine. I still pray it almost every day, just like about mercy. But just last year, it was just so strong to just really, I don't know, something about that whole concept of mercy. And I still don't even think I can grasp the edges of it. But um, what what excites me the most about it is that's the like God's seat. You know, mm-hmm. he, he dwells between the the cherub, cherubim or whatever above the mercy seat. Yeah, the mercy. So it's like. To to like that was kind of my, one of my prayers was like I want to become that seat of mercy that mm-hmm. that he could dwell like my heart make my heart mercy or whatever. But the other thing too is like with this generation coming up, I agree that I feel like we see that a lot with they're willing to give mercy, but I think there needs to be a really good distinction between love and acceptance because I feel like that's mm-hmm. really perverted in this yeah. generation. Do they think? Like mercy, and um, what psalm is it? It's psalm, psalm, and it, I can't remember. It's some psalm, and it says, uh, "Mercy and truth have met together; righteousness mm-hmm. and peace have kissed." So it's like mercy throughout all the scriptures. Like there's this correlation: mercy and truth, mercy and truth. Yeah. So it's like, and I don't know that I can like I understand all that in my head, but it seems like sometimes the people are wanting to just give out mercy, but there's no mm. truth going along with it yeah. or something. And it's just acceptance. We'll just accept everybody mm. how they are. How, how, and, and that's not love because love's not flattery. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I think, mm. I don't know, just that, that, I guess that's my worry about the, 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 you know, the, I guess the next generation or whatever, like you're talking about, like yeah. they, they have an over this huge abundance mm. of mercy, which is great. And forgiveness and mercy that, like can't even really you can't even place a value on it, but then you see the other side where you just don't want to go in the ditch on yeah. that, I guess, and flatter people. Mm-hmm. But oh yeah, I don't know. So what? But here was another question too, though. Back to the, I guess oh. I don't I don't know. If, well, do you want to weigh in on that? Well, yeah, well, 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 on this one, on, on the point you're making now about truth and mercy. Yeah. So I think there's a desperate, desperate need. In this generation for unteaching, unteaching. So basically, um, I was in a coffee shop the other day talking to my friends and I used this analogy. I held up the glass and I was like, what if one of these ice cubes was made of poison? So what if somebody like put put some kind of little poison pellet or something? A roofie? Uh, uh, let's say somebody, yeah, 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 a roofie or something. Let's say somebody took a... Uh, you know, poison and injected in the middle of one of these ice cubes and stuff. Well, I'm sitting there drinking my iced coffee, whatever. You know, well, there's all these ice cubes in the glass and everything's okay. But yeah. then all of a sudden, if something isn't done to correct this, then when the ice melts, um, everything's going to go go poisonous and go bad. And a lot of people, I, I guess the internet has multiplied this and all the different teaching and, and um, a lot of the focus on the latest revelation rather than just the... Con- consistency of God's word for some reason there's a lot of false doctrine out there and a lot of people holding on to new oh, yeah. ideas like people don't believe hell exists anymore and people are repackaging you know what you know end times eschatology stuff people are coming up with all, all these new ideas people are thinking that 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 you know homosexuality sexual perversion all that kind of stuff is somehow from God you know and 
um, these these different things when 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 obviously there's um, you, you, you can't ignore the, the connection between sexual abuse and, and homosexuality. Anybody that's doing their homework uh, and, and, and pornography as well. So pornography, oh, sexual yeah, abuse yeah. go hand in hand with that. But um, people are developing these new ideas and they're, they're, they're poisonous. Uh, um, and people, we need to come in and unteach that, you know? So yeah, maybe you went to seminary and you got all this Greek and Hebrew and maybe you read the Bible a lot and did devotional, go to a good church. You have all these different really good ice cubes in your thing. But if we don't go in, like surgically remove the, the poison, you know, if we, if we don't surgically remove the, you know, the leaven from the lump, Jesus yeah. said, Beware the leaven of the Pharisees for a little bit of leaven, leaven at the whole lump. Yeah. There's a lot of pharisaical leaven out there right now. And people are having a big lump full of, you know, solid foundational Christian stuff. But they bring this leaven in. And then all, all of a sudden, everything goes goes bad. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so we really desperately need this confrontational unteaching to go in, target the leaven. That's leaven. That has to be removed. That's a lie. And really just attack it. And um, people instead are reaching for, you know, this o- overarching mercy, overarching, you know, yeah. I don't know what you call it, a, g- a greasy grace message, whatever, overarching stuff that's kind of a form of denial. Yeah, to me you know? it just seems like flattery a lot of times. Yeah, like my... But- my friend was always scared of changing diapers because he's really, like, almost nauseous over poop or whatever. And so he didn't know. But then when he had a kid or whatever, he changed the diaper. He's like, you know what? It's really not a big deal. It's just that you love that child so much. You want to get, you know, the poop off of them in a while so they can be normal. Because you know that if you don't do that, they're going to get a rash. And they're going to be in pain and crying and stuff. And you know that, hey, no... This is just part of love is me oh, yeah, doing yeah. something I don't want to do. Something can be messy or stinky or whatever. Doing that so yeah. that this little child can continue on a happy road and not have to deal with the pain and anguish that is bound to come to them if, yeah. if, if I don't go through the messy part. And how, how horrible of a parent would that be for a parent to be like, oh, well... I you know I love I I love my child but I don't want to change their diapers because poop isn't my thing I'm more of a peacemaker I'm more of a you know a clean clean freak germaphobe so yeah, I'm just gonna yeah. ignore the fact that my child is is pooping their their diapers over and over again and I'm not changing them like think of the destruction that would bring to the child and think about how like unacceptable that would be for a parent to walk in that level of, of selfishness. To not have the right kind of love to be confrontational against something they know shouldn't be there. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and to not give that truth. Yeah. That's, man, that's that's fascinating. Just like, and sorry, my mind's like, and it, mine's just like thinking, try, trying to grasp that in the whole overall picture. And the, um, like, it, there's this, this it, terrifying. I don't know that terrifying is the right word. Like, I, I sometimes think that it's terrifying. Like, the repetition of God's word uh-huh. in the scriptures where, like, he speaks something and then it just seems to be on repeat. Yeah. Yeah, have you noticed that? And mm-hmm. even with the whole let there be light. Like, yeah. so, take that for, so he says that in Genesis. And then, then 4,000 years later, Jesus, the true light, comes uh-huh. in the world. Then you look at the book of Revelation and there's no need for the sun or the, yeah. in the New Jerusalem because the lamb is the light. So it's like, let there be light, then again, and then again, and again. But the thing that kind of terrifies me is, is seeing the, the repetition of 
the uh, old Israel and, and falling into Babylon, pray to all that. And then it's like you stand back and you were watching the church yeah. do everything that Israel did. Mm-hmm. And do it's like the same, they repeat the same yeah. mistakes. And it's, it's, I mean, not that I'm not guilty of that. Like I kind of did that whole mm-hmm. greasy grace message. Yeah. Like I thought, I, you know, you just kind of, Mm. Did whatever it's blanket over everything. You can just you know Jesus, which is not that's that's just a perverted grace gospel or whatever. But so like I'm not I'm not like pulling myself and saying I'm better than anybody else out of that. But it's just it's kind of yeah it's almost like terrifying to me sometimes when I'm reading the Bible and it's like you're reading the Book of Kings or something and you're watching the churches do those exact yeah. same things and like like you're talking about of just when you're saying like. Uh, yeah, with mercy, or if it, if it goes that wrong that wrong route of just, um, yeah, oh, this is right. Homosexuality is right. Like you're you're mm-hmm. fine. You're fine in your sin. I'm not gonna clean the poof off you. Whatever. Yeah. That's basically what they did in Israel. Peace. They kept saying peace, mm. peace when there's no peace. Yeah. Like they kept saying, well, you're fine. It, mm. It's that that spirit of flattery. Yeah. And then then they get ransacked, you know, by and just destroyed by Babylon mm-hmm. later. Yeah. And that. That kind of terrifies me because I'm like, has that already happened, or are we doomed for that? Headed in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, one, well, what you're seeing is totally accurate. Uh, one, one thing I think that's kind of refreshing and optimistic. Look at that. Yeah. Is that okay? So, in understanding time, there's chronology, which you'll, you know, chronos is like year after year after year. And chronology is a straight line that just keeps going. Mm-hmm. And in America, we have a chronological count. We just look at everything through chronology. But the Bible has an understanding. And Jewish thinking of time is like it's a circle. Mm-hmm. So everything goes in circles. So you have like yeah. a, a Sabbath of days, and then you have a Sabbath of years, and then you have like a Sabbath of Jubilee every 50 years, you know. And then now we're talking about like 1,200-year uh, cycles, 400-year cycles. And mm-hmm. so there's understanding that time works in circles. Yeah. And I think that that's part of the reason why the Bible is so complete and it's so perfect because, uh, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. But like, yeah. I mean, I, I remember 2007, we were all in praying, fasting, you know, yelling, crying, just really going for it. And Joel chapter two of, you know, uh, uh, was something that just resonated with us. And you almost feel like Joel chapter two was written, you know, 6,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago for such time as this, you know, yeah, yeah. when really maybe Joel chapter two was written for such a time as this plus... That plus oh, yeah. that. Or in other words, like uh-huh. the the like if you think about a clock spinning around, you know, like Joel chapter two applies when the hand is at is at the seven, you know, like so. Oh yeah, you, yeah. You know even Jesus, Jesus, Jesus said the same thing too when he was talking to the woman at the well. He says when he's talking about worship, the true worshipers. Yeah. He says now. He says the time is coming and now is. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So it's like Joel ta- yeah. chapter two. It's like it. Like, it was referenced in the book of Acts, right? Yeah. So it's like, it now is, was then, and it's still coming. Yeah. So then 2007. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's again, yeah. Yeah, so there's these, these cycles, you know? Yeah. And so understanding what point of the cycle we're in, um, yeah, that's, and that's really seeing the industrialized versus the organic. Uh, that's reflective of the, to- the short, Lord revealed a lot of that through the Tower of Babel. 
and the destruction of the Tower of Babel, which was ba- the Tower of Babel was built in Babylon. That's why it's called mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And that was not long after no- the Noah's Ark flood and stuff. And so that was one of the early, like, um, through the family line of Ham, you know. So Ham was the Ham was the one with the, the homosexual thing uh, at at the end. So Noah had three sons. One of them had a homosexual issue. That was Ham. Ham later had grandchildren. That was a guy named Nimrod, and so Nimrod was the famous hunter, the yeah. the guy who was the king of Babylon. Well, N- Nimrod and his wife set themselves up to be worshipped by the people of Babylon. Yeah, and they so set themselves up as the son to of clarify, Nimrod. For people who are listening, it is in Genesis, and it does say Nimrod laid the foundation of Shinar, Shinar right? Mm-hmm. Shinar, which is where Bab- yeah. the Tower of Babel was built. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah and so, so he was the like the founder of Babel. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, so, so Nimrod, and um, he set himself up as the sun god and referred to as Baal. And so thousands of years later, Elijah is going toe-to-toe with the prophets of Baal. Yeah. And today, uh, Baal is still around. Uh, Freemasons worship the god of no name. When you get high enough in Freemasonry, you learn that God's name is Baal. Yeah, and yeah. so Baal hasn't gone away. And um, but Babylon hasn't gone away. We see Babylon rise up again during the times of Daniel. And now... There's a lot of ways that America is reflecting is is, is reflecting Babylon, you know. Yeah. And so there's this Babylonian thing of the industrialization uh, thing that I was, I was talking about: industrialized versus organic. Industrialized yeah. like the the Babylon when the organic is like the true expression of what God intended, you uh-huh. know. And so the Lord was showing this to me recently, and He just blew my mind. When he showed me the Genesis account. Okay. Because um, people say that God makes something out of nothing. But that's not really the lesson in Genesis. In Genesis it says that there's basically God and there's this big glob of water. But Genesis doesn't tell us where God got the water from. And so did God invent the water? We don't know. Scientists actually have said that the thing that contradicts Big Bang and all these other concepts is we can't figure out where water came from. You see, because water doesn't grow or deplete. There's an exact amount of water, and that water either exists in ice or in liquid or in gas. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, and so there's an exact amount of water that doesn't change, you know? Um, the earth is like 70% water and we're like, uh, humans are the same percentage. We're, we're 70%. Humans are 70% water. The earth is 70% water. So when God said to humans, fill the earth and multiply, um, God commanded Adam, he said, um, uh, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth to overflowing. So God commanded Adam to keep multiplying so that humans would overflow the earth. And that's one thinking but the other thinking is, is contrary to that of, of like a, a genocide and a, a Mother Earth, paganism, you know, global warming, whatever. So the idea that humans are hurting the Earth. Yeah. Well, but this existence of water is very fascinating to me. And so the Bible doesn't tell us where God got water. God could have easily made water, but that's not the point. The point is, is there's a lesson to be seen here. Yeah, is yeah. that God, in the beginning, there was God and there was this big glob of water. And then... Um, God then took the big glob of water and he divided it into uh, water within the firmament and water without the firmament. So in other words, uh, 
earth and outer space. So he made it. So now you have water in and water out. Mm -hmm. And then he took the water that was within and he divided that up into land and sea. So basically he had a big mud glob and he pulled it apart and he made land and sea, right? Yeah. And so then he takes the land the dirt and he turns he makes man from the dirt you know yeah. what i mean and um and then from man he makes woman from the rib of man you okay. know and there's all these examples like from um and and continually through just account you see god making something of something mm-hmm. and then i thought about light and i'm like well what about light well when god spoke god is light and jesus light so when he spoke he still made something from something he made from himself he made more light and he spoke and he made the sun, but then it also went out in the moon and the stars. See, scientists have figured out that the Earth is continually expanding, or like the the, the galaxy, the, so yeah, the, more stars universe, and stuff. Yeah. It keeps getting bigger and bigger. So basically, God spoke, sun, stars, and then more stars and more stars. So the stars are, are multiplying, you know, and Abraham, and, you know, God talks about Abraham, the sand of the, the shore, the stars in the sky, whatever, but... um. This idea of like something is something is at a place and then it grows and then it hits what I call a scatter point where it's like it grows to this point and then it's time for it to scatter again. And then it grows to that point, time for it to scatter again. Like uh, remember when Abraham and Lot were realizing, hey, you know, I've grown to this level of wealth and you've grown to that level of wealth and we're just too close together. Yeah. So we need to scatter. You go that way, I'll go this way. So mm-hmm. there's 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 like a scatter point where we're like yeah. ascending out, you know, and there's a lot of ways that God wants this scatter point, this organic thing, so that true growth can happen. You know, like with cell groups, cell groups are scattering. If you look at cells, like the actual part of the body, they grow and m- multiply. Um I, I guess there's there's so many ways this point is, is, is redundant throughout creation. It can get really abstract. But, uh, and so you look at animals, like the way animal, like, for example, um, you know, there was only w- one pair of canines and one pair of felines on the ark. It'd be impossible to have every type of lion and leopard oh, yeah. and okay. house cat yeah, yeah. and every type of like wolf and Great Dane and Chihuahua, you know, all that stuff. The, There's only two, but then felines then multiplied and some felines went over here and some felines went over here and some went over there and over here. And so now you have felines over here becoming lions and felines over here becoming like cougars and felines over here becoming tigers or whatever. According to the terrain they're in and stuff like that, they're, they're adapting. But the Lord is is creating this. Um, and just this idea of, of scatter points, you know, and about how with the Tower of Babel, the, the devil is trying to bring everybody to, to, uh, together so that he could prosper off of people rather than allowing people to go out and scatter so that they could prosper in, individually and grow. You know, there's a lot of ways that the coming together of um, to the point that it's it's harmful. Uh, you know what I mean? Like there, there's a unity amongst believers that is important and stuff. But there's also ascending out. Uh, yeah. uh, you know what I mean? There's a lot of times you see like all 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 the disciples are crying on 
the different people are hugging Paul and they're crying on his shoulder because Paul says, I'm leaving and you won't ever see me again because I have to take the gospel out. Yeah. And it's painful to take the gospel out and it's more slothful to just stay here and be, you know, be, be, be where we're at, you know. Uh, a 22-year-old boy would much rather be slothful and stay at home and live in his parents' basement and play Xbox all day. But the dad says, no, son, you got to go out there and you got to live on your own and you got to be strong, you know, and kind of there's a sending out so that there, so growth can happen. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so a lot of ways, like you, I, I like using a forest, for example. You see forests around here. Like in the backwoods where, where, where you live and stuff, you know how like thick forests have a whole bunch of thin trees? Yeah. And the trees are so close together, there's, there's not a lot of branches, but, and they're very thin. But if you take those same trees and scatter the fruit wider, then you have trees that aren't surrounded by other trees, so they grow to be like 10 times as big. And they have branches, and fruit can grow from them, and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And so when we plant seeds for trees wider then uh-huh. they they can grow and be bigger and stronger. But when we try to cluster all the trees together, you might have more wood within an acreage, but the individual trees are, are going to really be lacking. And the mm-hmm. same way in the American church, we've tried to bring everybody together. And yeah, together we have something impressive looking, but the individual trees, the individual members are lacking. And so the answer is, I believe there's there's these scatter points in time. And so the way God dealt with the Babylon, Babel and Babylon is the same way I believe he's dealing with America right now, that the American church is at the scatter point where we're, where God's wanting us to, to spread out. And people that are really tapped into this prophetic type of yeah. scene are, are, I mean, I, I know, I just, uh, I, I know a pastor of a church that he's purposefully trying to, to dismantle his church into multiple cell groups and purposefully pushing people out. Yeah. And people are resisting trying to come back in because they really look up to this guy. But he has such a prophetic vision. He's realizing, no, you have to go out. You have to yeah. do smaller. You have to. I mean, I think Francis Chan did the same thing. Yeah, right? Fra- yeah. Francis Chan's the, that's a great point. Francis, I wasn't referring to Francis Chan, but Francis Chan's yeah. one of the clearest examples of that. Yeah, he built this huge mega church that then was like, what am I doing with this? Like, yeah, yeah I, mean, I need to. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, I'm really trying to, um, I think, yeah, I think you have something there. I'm really trying to, I guess, uh, piece all of that together. Everything you just went through with, like, the water and all of that. Like, yeah. how does all that come in? I guess I maybe got lost in that a little bit with the Tower of Babel. Right. And, so, like, like you mm-hmm. said, the, the, the creation story being yeah. worked in all that. Um, so the in, in in the creation story, God makes instead of saying this actually taught me a lot in prayer. Okay, so God is the potter sitting. He has the potter's wheel in front of him. He's the potter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um. So he's sitting there, and then whatever is placed on his potter's wheel, he's able to mold that into something. Yes. Of. of, of, of beautiful and unique so god part of god's character that i think he's teaching us is that instead of saying god makes something out of nothing say god makes something out of something yeah yeah something yeah i think something is key to that too is he makes something out of something multiple which would mean you're humble Mm -hmm. and willing to be a piece of clay in the hand of yeah 
Exactly. The seed that grows in and dies so they can become a tree. Yeah, yeah. The clay that can be all molded. Because that mean you kind of see with, with Pharaoh, he kept hardening himself. And yeah. Himself. And the potter can't it, do anything exactly. with that. Then it just shatters. And Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's yeah. good. So, I don't know, but that's even... Sorry, it's yeah. I'm like thinking about everything you said. I don't really want to go down that route. I was thinking about something else, but I think it will totally like change the change the topic the, about the waters and stuff. And and, uh, and so God makes something. So God God doesn't make something out of nothing. Yeah, yeah. as everybody says. I, I like to say God makes something out of something. And yeah, so, yeah. in prayer, we can put something on the potter's wheel, whether it be our finances or our marriage. Or our our lives individually, our where we work at, or whatever you know, where we're supposed mm-hmm. to live, yeah, whatever yeah. we're willing to bring to the potter's wheel and let him just totally pound it, crush it, drench it in water, remold it. That's the thing that can be something way way more beautiful. Yeah. And as people look across history and see the branching of all the different animals and how they have you know canines and felines obviously came from you know different animals and and stuff and but that's not an argument for evolution because no one's ever been able to cross the canine feline like yeah. house cats and don't mix with dogs they, but yeah, the word you used yeah. before is adapt like they adapted yeah, yeah. and that's a different than evolution yeah. yeah yeah exactly and so no one's been able to cross the canine feline yeah, they, yeah. They've, they've never been able to mix those two but yet hundreds of felines are all branching this way and hundreds of it's the same way on a tree Two branches don't grow back to becoming one branch and then rebranch out. That doesn't happen. Instead, the tree branches and then branches and branches the same way like that. And so that, that's where I think people get, get hung up on, on that. But yeah, God is still the creator helping to mold this, this individuality. And so the sending out is where individuality really can flourish. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. uh, I think that's important that we are aware of that. Like, I think it's good that you're saying all that too, because I, I, I just, and I, I had mentioned this to uh, Melissa, my sister, not too long ago. It's like, there's, um, this, it's like, there's a need for persecution, but you don't want to see it go that route. Yeah. Like it's kind of, you want people to wake up before that mm-hmm. because in the book of acts, I mean, that's when the church was growing and it says that the church kept growing and growing. And then all of a sudden, well, there's Saul, well, Paul, you know, yeah. that, you know, and then he persecutes the church and then they scatter. Yeah. And it's like, we need to be willing to do that before. Exactly. It takes something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and, and and we pray it doesn't take something like that in America, but um who knows what the Lord might be preparing us for or whatever, but regardless, yeah, he's uh, this is his will, I believe, the, the the scattering. Yeah. So um so this story comes to mind. So let's say a father is a farmer and he lives in the plains and he's farming and he's raising up his children, teaching them how to farm and all that's great, right? Mm-hmm. Well then, you know, one child um, like is, has an explorer and it looks up to the mountains and always wants to go to where the mountains are. And another child has this deep fascination with the sea and they want to go to where the ocean is. And this other child, he wants to be, he wants to build like a log cabin and be like a lumberjack. So he wants to go where the forest is at, right? And then this guy's a farmer. And then another child really deeply admires what her dad does and she wants to be a farmer too. And so she wants to live close to home and do the same thing. And so... If this dad doesn't allow his children to scatter, then they won't scatter to their individual 
identities and destinies and they won't, you know, the one child won't be able to go to this new context and stuff. And so there's ways that God will allow us to scatter and then allow us to go somewhere else where we're able to, where who we are inside and who we desire is being activated in that new context. The same way you take a, a tree, you take a plant from a small pot into a bigger pot so that it can grow, or, yeah. or a small pot to no pot at all, or it's actually in soil where it can grow and stuff. So there has to be a sending out at some point for the true individuality to take place, right? But yeah. let, let's say that father was greedy and he was told his children, hey, I'll, I'll give each one of you 10 acres of land, but you got to bring me, you know, a fourth of your crop every year. Yeah. And then the kids go out and they're doing the same thing their father did and kind of slaving over it and then bringing back this little kickback to the father. And then all of a sudden the, the father is, is blossoming off, off the children. Or we're thinking about this in a church context. Yeah, in a church still, context, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, in a church or context. Or even out of fear, a father could do that and not wanting to see his kids Mm-hmm. Go off, or like I, I'm scared I'm going to lose them. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I'm scared yeah. I'm going to lose them, or or somehow feeling a need to pay back. A yeah. true father pays forward. A true father wants to work as hard as possible so that he can give the largest inheritance to his children and pay their way through college and and give them a life that he never got. True fatherhood is paying forward. True Christianity is paying forward. Yeah, uh, but. Babylon is paying back, and it's the yeah. it's the idea of the pyramid. Yeah, and that's a, even with that whole concept of yeah the Babylon and paying back, and um, yeah the kid the, the yeah how a father would be kind of like overbearing to his children and stuff. I mentioned because I, I mentioned that like I really 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 I, I've said this multiple times. I think everything boils down to pride and humility. In, yeah. in life, everything boils down to that. But I mentioned that too. Um, Melissa, again, my sister, it was weird in, in the car ride. And I mentioned humility, how I think, like, there really, really needs to be, people need to be taught humility. And her automatic context for that, and this is not just her, and other people have mentioned it too, like, their, 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 like, first thought when they hear that, humility is um, the way... I guess a, I guess a lot of teachers have taught this, like, or not, maybe not necessarily teachers, pastors, whatever. The people that are up, kind of in the higher mm-hmm. scheme of Babylon, if you want to look at it that way, like the they have taught it. They've taught humility, or they think they've taught humility, but basically they're teaching submit to me. Right. Yeah. And so there's like when I've mentioned humility, mm-hmm. it's almost like no, we don't we don't need that teaching yeah. anymore. We've heard it, and it basically just means. Okay, you lower sheep, submit to me, I'm your shepherd. Mm. Like, do what I say when it's really... And I was like, no, humility is the opposite. Like, yeah. it's the the person who's at the top. Like, you, your whole thing with the pyramid. The pyramid's mm. upside down. Yeah. Yeah, the person at the top is that's supposed to be on the bottom. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, you know, Jesus, when he gave his resume, yeah, there's the only one time he gives it, and it's really interesting what he points out. He says, come and learn of me. So he's telling people, come and learn of me for this reason. The same way you'd say, hire me for this job for this reason. And he says, come and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. Yeah. So of all the elements of, you know, come and learn of me, for I'm the son of God. Come and learn of me, for I need the Bible better than anybody else when I was 12 years old. You know, come and learn of me, yeah. for I am this, I am that. Come and learn of me for the miracles. You know, yeah. he didn't say any of that. He said, come and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. And so that kind of sets up this idea that this uh, the 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 meekness is almost a a true qualifying element. Yeah, 
uh, you know. Um, yeah, and that's what that's what I mentioned to her too. Is I was like, you know, there's, it's it's this stupid mentality that people don't see. Like when you look at the scriptures and you actually look at the Bible, when you see a king, he has a scepter, and that's a rod, like a shepherd. You know, it's like yeah. it's not a sword. It's not, mm. you know, it's it's like there's a there's a reason there's that imagery yeah. you know it's like to to lead people in in a, in a humble stance you're your servant to yeah exactly yeah exactly you know everybody wants to go into full-time ministry everybody wants to be a minister it says that the angels came and ministered to jesus when he was done with his fast well they yeah. didn't come and preach to him they came and they served him food <laughs> right yeah. you see what i'm saying like yeah minister means being a servant like like elijah the, it, give him the cake yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's a there's so you want to be a minister, what you're really saying is you want to be a servant. Yeah. You're yeah. saying, Hey, please let me be the one that waits the table while all of you sit here and freely eat, you know? Yeah, he's least among you will be the greatest, yeah. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um yeah, it's sad. It really is sad. But I think I think I I think like you said, like it is it is exciting in in the sense that there's you see the shift almost going to that. So, so a, a father, so I think that the economy, like we said, pay it back or pay it forward. Mm-hmm. A father wants to pay it forward. A king wants to pay it back, mm-hmm. right? A king wants to be the greatest king that's ever walked the face of the earth and go down in the history books, while a father wants his children to be more than he ever was. Yeah, right? yeah you see that with Saul and David, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Saul, Saul, a great example. Saul, the heart of a king, David, of a father. Um, and time and time again, you see that type of uh, dichotomy there, you know? A king wants to have this big kingdom, this pyramid kind of thing. You know, they, 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 I remember those, they still have them, but the, the pyramid schemes that people would do or the, 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 the multi-level marketing and no, stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. where it's like, hey... You can be a child for me, but I get a percentage of everything you make. So there's always payback. There's never, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You have a guy, you know, a, a, a millionaire flies in on a plane, preaches to a, a room full of, 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 of lower middle class people, and uh, tells them about all the millions of dollars he's made, encourages them that they can do the same, and then all the, the lower-class middle people give all their money to the rich guy, and then the rich guy takes his money, gets on his plane, and flies away. It's like, yeah. I saw that once in a, in a, in a, in a multi-level marketing thing, and I and but what's really sad is I've seen that same thing happen in, in Word of Faith conferences. Oh yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, Rich yeah. guy flies in, tells yeah. tells the the poor people, you can be exactly like me, yeah. right? Which that there's a flaw in that. Uh, you know, you can be exactly like me if you do what I did. Here's the model, but you got to give me a kickback or there's payback involved. And then they take it when really it's like, hey, if if you've made all these millions of dollars and we're all broke, then why don't if you really cared about us, why don't you pay it forward? And yeah. invest in us so that we can be picked up and do more. A father would do that. Mm-hmm. A, a, a true father who made a million dollars doing his business would gladly, you know, um, give all of his wisdom and all of his, you know, and would gladly pay his children forward, not expecting anything in return. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. why, the, the, and that's really the message of the gospel is that we've received such a great inheritance from our father, we then should give fruit. Freely received, freely give. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. and and these strings attached kind of things. It's it's the first place that things get get off. You know. Yeah, 
Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Sorry. That's just a... I don't know. You go... You go quick, too. I try to keep up. I'm, like, trying to, um... Uh... And then, because it's it's hard sometimes because you'll be you'll be saying stuff and then, like, things will pop into my head. Like it's like as you're talking, like more more thoughts will come into my head. So it's it's hard for me to. And then I'm like still trying to follow what you're saying while this other stuff is going <laughs> All on. Right, yeah. I don't know. It's just really the whole the whole concept is really really interesting. And then and then even thinking about everything you just said. And then even in the concept of of with time being on repeat. Mm-hmm. Which is obviously how I think everybody knows that that it's that way. Whether they, I don't. It's like I feel like people subconsciously know things without knowing mm-hmm. them logically. Like you said, a lot of people see time linear. Yeah. But it's like, well, if you really think about, like, I mean, just think about your watch. Like time repeats all the time. Yeah. yeah it's like it, so. I feel and then the rotation of the planets. Like, if you were to take a step back and look from eternity, it's yeah. probably, probably, I mean, it looks like a bunch of gears turning, I'm sure. Just yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's the same. Every, yeah. 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 And so just thinking about it and, and all of that, okay, so you have the, the church, the the way it was, um, okay, so the, the I'm, I'm even thinking back to the numbers thing with the <laughs> 40s and everything. So you have... You have Saul that was there for 40 years, right? And then David. And you had mentioned that this next generation coming up is kind of... People have said it's like the David generation. Yeah. So then you have Saul that was kind of... Is that kind of somewhat maybe symbolic in parallel of the the megachurches? Where you're building yeah. one man? Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and that one man cared more about the opinions of man than the opinions of God. Yeah. Because you know, that's the prophet to so walk out with me so I look good. He, yeah, he he stepped into offices that were not his because he was a king. But then he also stepped into the office of the prophet, right? And sent, and so he was kind of he. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of elements of Saul, like he goes city to city and take the 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 young healthy men to come with him and be a part of his army and stuff. And there's a lot of things about Saul that is reflective of the American church. Mm-hmm. The last the last forty the years. last forty years. Yeah. Yeah, and then the new dispensation with David. Uh, David wasn't afraid to go toe-toe-toe with Goliath because he had such a big vision of God. But yeah. other, like, David didn't care about what people thought to the point he would dance, you know, da, da, a, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, a, a yeah. dance and worship. I'll be even more undignified. Than yeah, this, yeah, exactly. Says, yeah. And he wrote the textbook of... He basically rewrote the textbook on the tabernacle, which was the most holy reverence, do not touch thing ever. But he had created, he realized that doing twenty four seven worship was a really powerful thing, and mm-hmm. he had he had that the, the, yeah. the, that revelation. He truly was a man after God's own heart, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, I like looking at it because it's not like. Oh. I, I do even like looking at it, the book of a lot of people don't I feel like don't touch the book of Leviticus or whatever mm-hmm. but then taking the the sacrifices of David that he mentions in the Psalms mm-hmm. and looking at those in context of the book of Leviticus of what you're really putting on the altar and so like of Thanksgiving and things yeah. like that my, my prayers is incense like mm-hmm. you take all that and that's I mean that's really exciting to see I mean I guess it's we're talking more about prophetic stuff now, I guess, in that sense of mm-hmm. where the church is going in the future, probably, or from what's been said, and I guess right. kind of prophet that they're moving into this 
the, yeah, this so this, this David, David, David dispensation of time. And really, a lot, you know, everybody's always been saying Jesus is coming back soon, whatever. I believe Jesus will come back during the Kairos moment where the, the circle, I believe the circle will be at a certain place in the cycle. Yeah. Jesus does come back, you know, and there's a lot of things that point to that, but that, but we don't know which cycle he's going to come back in, you know? Yeah, it's really, I'm trying to keep up with the 40s because it's like, or the four, sorry, not just the 40s, the 400s and the four. Then you even mentioned four thousand. Four thousand. Yeah, way. and it's it's really fascinating because it you have David, but then you have Solomon afterwards, and then Solomon. See now, Solomon now, rules and reigns. And so Solomon know. was the wisest man to walk the face of the earth. He was the wealthiest man to walk the face of the earth. Yeah. And um, but yet people say Jesus, thou son of David, instead of Jesus, son of Solomon. Yeah. And so. Even Jesus's ancestry was traced through Solomon on on both legs of it, you know. But the so G, they could have said Jesus son of Solomon, but they said Jesus son of David. And mm-hmm. I think that even though Solomon was the wealthiest, wisest, best person to walk the face of the earth, David is the one we really look up to because David's the one that brought the transition. Mm-hmm. David had so little inheritance from Saul. I mean, Saul's wanting to kill him and yeah. all that stuff, but yet he's still. She shifted things. He rewrote the textbook, shifted things towards mercy, did mm-hmm. all this stuff so that Solomon could receive such a great inheritance that Solomon would be the wisest and wealthiest to walk the face of the earth. Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I do definitely want to mention on like this, though, since we're talking about that, is the fact that so if you have all the, the mega churches and all that kind of it being somewhat of a parallel to Saul's reign. Mm-hmm. Then, if we're moving into a David kind of disposition with this next generation, David and Saul were not, they weren't like at war with each other in the sense that David kept saying, I'm not lifting up my hand against the Lord's anointing. Right, exactly. And we need to remember that in the future. Like, it's very true. Yeah. I, 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 I preached that several times. That yeah. Just because. I, I believe we're seeing it now that there is a backlash of Saul attacking David. The mega churches are really they're they're literally like I I know personal examples right now I, I I won't mention but there are literally attacks coming from the mega churches against the individual subgroup church people. Mm-hmm. But those people are walking that that David type of anointing where they refuse to touch God's anointed. That's good. Yeah. 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 You know, and really. We're all doing the best we can within the frame of the revelation that's, that, that has been given us, you know? Yeah. Uh, there are religious people that don't have Holy Ghost or whatever, but they're still doing the best that they know how to do. And the megachurch people are doing the best that they know how to do. Yeah. And we're just responsible yeah, yeah. to do what we know how to do. And so there's a, those are the kind of statements we make all the time, um, trying ourselves to not touch God's anointed. And, you know, like when Saul died, David said all these great things about Saul and mourned his death and... And stuff oh, like yeah. that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so you're right. We do have to maintain that. I'm. I th- I think we get into air when we begin to to criticize the yeah. mega church. And also, it's the end of an era. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so understanding that the end of an era is like they got A pluses on their. Re- There's a lot of ministers that got an A plus on their report card during the dispensation yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. So God's 100 percent pleased with them. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But we're in a different dispensation of time, so we're in a different set of roles. We're in a different assignment. Yeah. And so we got to be faithful with what we're doing, and I believe it will be more than Saul and see better fruit and everything, but we can't ever look back in judgment. 
Yeah. Regardless no, of how much yeah, they, yeah. regardless of how, regardless of how much they attack us, we hope we can never re, uh, uh, return. For some reason, what always helps me, I feel like, in those circumstances too, is just to to realize the power of darkness, and it makes mm-hmm. me, I mean, it makes me, it makes me more sad than anything else for for, yeah. for people that, because, to my thought, well, Jesus, I'm gonna see if I can try to tie this in or make this clear. It was is. When when he says to the Pharisees and stuff, when they're saying, you know, if we would have lived in those days, we would not have killed the prophets. We mm-hmm. wouldn't have been like our fathers, our forefathers and stuff like that. And so for me to look back at, if we move into this new David, you know, dispensation and look back at the the previous one with the mega churches, for any of us to be like, well, if I would have been in that, been born in their time in that age, in that era, I wouldn't have done the things they did. It's like, yeah. no... It, God, you you might not have had as much light as we have now. Like so, exactly. you might have done the exact same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Everything we have as Christians is inheritance. Yeah. It's not just the inheritance of Christ. It's so much more than that. You know, like the only reason we're saved is because somebody laid down their life to lead us to the Lord yeah. for salvation. If we were born in a country without without any missionaries around, we wouldn't be saved. But even more so. We're walking in of revelations of you know divine healing, praying in tongues, or revelations of, of humility. All this, everything we're walking in. I mean, yeah, it comes from the word, but you know, there are people centuries ago that read the Bible page for page, word for word, and didn't walk in a fraction of the, the revelation we walk in. Yeah, and and so there's that 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 has to do with dispensations of time, but that also has to do with inheritance of that. Yeah. You know, look at what I'll, I'll look at what Kenneth Hagin has done in our lives and oh, how yeah, much yeah. he's devoted his whole life to creating this inheritance, you know? And yeah. there is such a, a humility to that. Yeah. You know, like yeah, yeah. So Solomon was the greatest, but the only reason he was the greatest is because he got the inheritance. It wasn't yeah, yeah. that he was the greatest all by himself. You yeah, know? and I think the thing with Solomon too, because if, if we're moving through a, a David era, then it moved, then it's going to, I guess, move into Solomon at some point. And the thing with that, I feel like, is he was... Uh, we think of him as the richest, sort mm-hmm. of, but like we need to remember where Jesus says, like uh, the true riches. Like we need to see the, that, and we don't like we're spiritual people with a yeah. heavenly Jerusalem. So it's not like to not get focused on material things. Yeah, like the only things that have value are the things that transcend time, mm-hmm. that go past time. Yeah, and so. If you're going to move into a Solomon generation with the richest stuff, it's like, mm. what are the true riches of Christ yeah. that you're going to be moving into? Because it could have nothing to do with anything material or any mm. finances or anything like that. It could just be, yeah, the abundance of wisdom, like we yeah. see with Solomon. Um, the other thing that's like interesting to me, because you have, okay, so mercy and truth mm. go hand in hand, it seems like. with And so that seems like that kind of... It has a flow or with mm-hmm. with David a lot like and the son of david with with Jesus and everything and um but then with Solomon, it's like you notice as soon as he gets anointed king, man he just brings out the sword and yeah. it's like but I've noticed this 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 in the Bible it's like you have justice which like works and produces righteousness and then righteousness mm-hmm. produces peace, yeah. And so Solomon, his name means peaceable. Mm. So it's like you have, but it's like it takes that justice to bring about righteousness, to bring about peace. Yeah. And so, like, that's 
I see Solomon as this one who has is gifted with wisdom and the wisdom from God and everything. Mm-hmm. But yet at the same time, he his his name is peaceable, so it'll be moving into this era of peace. But it's like not without justice. Yeah. So I don't even know what that even looks like for the future. I don't <laughs> right. know. I guess we'll get there when the forty yeah, years are up with, or something. Peace, I don't know. Peace with justice. Yeah. I don't know. That's really, really interesting. I don't know. There's so much like that you've said that I just want to go into, but I don't want to complicate this too much, I guess. Because I'm yeah. still curious about the the, the the numbers and everything too. There's like I feel like yeah. like you said, it's so deep, and there's so much there with like the the numbers and dispensations in the 40s that I'm like. Oh yeah, because it really gets. That's one of the coolest revelations God's ever shown me is... Uh, so the numbers is called the pillars of time. So you kind of scratch the surface of that. And then the the, the philosophy is like the pyramid and the puzzle piece. That's kind of... We, we talked about some of that. Yeah. And then um, there's some other things we covered as well regarding, you know, Babylon and this understanding of time. Um, I, yeah. I, I really enjoy talking things with you because... I try to keep up. <laughs> yeah, and you're and you're really smart. You're able to keep up, and yeah, you have no scripture inside of you that you can. I just kind of sh- oh, shortcut because you've already kind of read three parts. Um, I just really want to get material out. Yeah, and um, being able to maybe outline these things into different yeah. sections so that maybe we could flush out the bones of the sections. Yeah, can so. you name name those? Because I know you have like a lot of depth in each one of those yeah. that you name. So, so if you name them again, and then maybe when we meet up again, we could try to do one by one. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. So there's, um, yeah, the pillars of time was yeah. one. Yeah. So basically, um, everything branches. Uh, from these different ideas, but yeah, so there's pillars of time, basically hidden in the genealogy of Christ, there's a mathematical, well here, well, I'll, I'll let's stop and start a new one, if you want, oh. well, well, it's, it, it's fine, we'll, we'll, we'll just say on the same one, yeah, um, and you can clip it, it's, yeah, it's alright, we'll let's okay. let it go, yeah, that, I mean, because we don't have so, to go on each one, I just yeah, want to at least, like, fast. get the, get the name of them, because pillars of time was one, so yeah, so, this is where it gets a little bit crazy. So, okay, so basically, um, we'll, we'll leave this alone for now. So, okay, so Ecclesiastes chapter 9. I remember there was a point in time where God said to me, God reminded me of Ecclesiastes 9, and I had this whole divine appointment. I'll skip all that, but I'll say that the part of Ecclesiastes 9, um, well, I guess I won't skip it. I'll tell you real quick. So, I remember, so I'm just going to go through the big crash course outline. I can probably do it in about five minutes. All right. So, because um, I know we've we're, we're got a lot of time. At a, we're looking at his, his drawing board. Yeah, there's a board here. We probably could take a photo of it. Yeah. Um, so, I was sitting in bed, and the Lord just started really speaking to me strongly, reminding me of a story of a poor wise man who saved a, a city by his wisdom. And then um, I went to bed, and I woke up at 737, <laughs> And then, and the Lord kept showing me the number 737 over and over again. And then later I woke up at 737. And then the Lord kept reminding me of, of, of that story about the poor wise man who had a, the wisdom to save a city. And then I, I, I felt like God was saying, like, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. So I picked up and I grabbed my Bible and I opened it up. And, and 
And then it was like, I'll read some, I felt like read something in the Old Testament. So I opened it up and then my Bible fell to page 737. And on 737, page 737 was Ecclesiastes 9. And I didn't know it, but when I read Ecclesiastes 9, it had that story of a poor wise man yeah. who had the wisdom to save a city, but in the end, he, he wasn't remembered for it. No, yeah. And God, and God really challenged me, do you have what it takes to be that poor wise man? Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's really challenging. And so, but I was like, yes, Lord, I'll do it. And we see that. And so later, um, as the Lord began unfolding all this stuff in Ecclesiastes 9, it says the battle is not, uh, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor yet bread to men of understanding or favor to men of skill or something like that. Yeah. But, time but time and chance happens to them all. So from this, it then branches into these three branches, time, chance, and stewardship. There's stewardship is in there as well. When you read the verse prior okay. or after. And so then, so there's continual branching of 44 branches into three sections, which we won't talk about that. The, the, the 737 branches into three sections of time, chance, and stewardship. Okay. And then under time, there's three books. And then under chance, there's three books. And under stewardship, there's three books. And so the three time books, Pillars of Time. Uh, Pillars of Time basically is a book that is... Hidden in the genealogy of Christ is a mathematical pattern that points to every major event in history. Uh, Adam, Noah, fall of Egypt, fall of Saxon Empire, Saul, Moses, uh, David, Solomon, it's all in there. Um, even King James is in there, and the birth of America is in there, the Six-Day War of wow. Israel in 1967, it's all in there. It's all in this, the Pillars of Time. And so that's one thing. Hamishak uh, moments... Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, Meshach's name means what God. And so there's these what God moments of what God do you serve? And those three refuse to bow. And then, um, um, and like, it's like the showdown between what God do you serve? Elijah and the prophets of Baal yeah, is an yeah. example of a Meshach moment in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Meshach moment. Noah was a Meshach moment. Uh, Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah was a Meshach moment in history. Uh, John the Baptist and his standoff with yeah. so there's these Meshach understanding what happens with Meshach moments and so that's really important but also Meshach moments is cool because most of the Meshach moments fall on pillars of time yeah. so there's, there's a whole second book with that uh, dichotomy fallacies we, we talked about that before and the different dichotomies and how to label oh, yeah, them yeah. and that becomes a whole thing in itself but it ties into understanding times anyway so so leaving that alone uh Chance. The pyramid and the puzzle piece, a philosophy thing of comparing a pyramid is survival of the fittest, puzzle piece is divine design, right? Okay. And so the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong. No, no, you know, that's like pyramid, but time and chance, a, a puzzle piece. And so, uh, so, yeah, so comparing survival of the fittest versus divine design. Uh, and so instead of the best are the elite and they rule over the masses, instead you're understanding that uh, God has a divine design for the earth and he's carved it up into different puzzle pieces. We're all puzzle pieces. Yeah. So Survival of the fittest being pyramid and then divine design being puzzle piece. Exactly, exactly. And then uh, the argument in the agenda is being able to separate true, true science. Uh, true science is... Uh, is doesn't have an agenda, 
So a true argue, a true scientific argument doesn't have an agenda. True journalism doesn't have an agenda, you know. And so you you, you have to understand the non-bias of stuff and 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 oh, okay, yeah, so, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So like as you view the news and stuff, you have to understand that there is a pyramid argument that's 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 woven into things, and it's not factual. You know what I mean? There's yeah, a it's there's more a, of an agenda than a yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So argument versus agenda, and, and getting into that. Uh, the boardroom and the battlefield is in, is expounding the differences in the puzzle piece, like Myers Briggs and Enneagram, and uh, uh, there's a, t- a boardroom, battlefield, classroom, living room. You know, are 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 different contexts. Uh, uh, different people call different contexts. It's really expounding First Corinthians twelve into grave detail about how we're all different. Okay. You yeah. know, and so the yeah. boardroom and the battlefield. And so these all kind of tie together in a quote. There's an illustration to go with it, but um, so anyway, so that's kind of that. Uh, stewardship, the the three o sevens, and then uh, there's seven tools and seven d- dimensions and seven realms of influence, uh, the seven dimensions, and then the forty four currencies of life. What's crazy about the forty four currencies of life? Is that the forty-four currencies divided into three sections: heaven, earth, and you. And then under heaven, there's uh, three sections. And then under you, there's three sections. And then under earth, there's three sections. And then under each one of these, there's five. So, the, so, yeah. it, so with, with the exception of these fives, five, 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 and then the final four, and that's how the forty-four total. So, with the exception of these ones and threes, you know. Three, you know, uh, three under this one, and then these 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 three under this one. So it's whole like it's it's a whole outline. I can see that on his board, he's got everything's like branched off into threes, and he just walked it all back from three, and uh, yeah, I don't know how to describe (laughs) that properly with just words, but. It's pretty cool. Um, I'll take a picture of this board before I go, and hopefully I can find a spot to put it up. Yeah, hopefully there'll wh- be a thing for pictures. Or something. Wes made it when I drew out the board. Wes made a time lapse of it, and he posted it on Facebook. Oh, okay. He, he made a song for my birthday, and and he did this. He calls me the beautiful mind or the yeah. mad scientist, whatever. Mad scientist. But so these. But right now, I'm trying to focus on these books. You know, these seven books, these nine books. Yeah, Focus, cause, and, and really being able to dig out the different subjects. But one thing I really appreciate about you, Jason, is that you know, I was really challenged when you handed me, handed me that book because you're like, hey, I, I had all these revelations, all these cool things God showed me, and I actually not only left them in a spiral notebook or left them on, on my laptop or my journal, but I actually, you know, you took those revelations and you put them in a print form and then you published them and you put them in a book and gave them to me. And that's so cool because that's like... You're taking something to the end so that it can bless other people. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, it's like since an artist can write a great worship song, but if they don't record it in the studio, arrange it, you know, all that, if they don't yeah. put it out there on Spotify or whatever, then it, it, it doesn't bless anybody. Yeah. And so we have to, there's a lot of things that God has given us that we haven't really taken to fruition. Yeah. Uh, it says in Proverbs, the slothful doesn't roast that which he killed. Yeah, and hunting, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I feel like the Lord really blessed me to be able to kill all of the, all of this. But I have to roast it. I have to take it to that end. I like that. I like step. that imagery that you've killed killed all of this. Yeah, and yeah. You gotta 
Yeah, man. I do whatever help you need too. Like, I think it'd be cool to get all that out there, and maybe doing these, like talks with you and recording it, we could get it, um, mm-hmm. in an audio format to listen through or something, and then then you can maybe even give it to someone who could who could type it up or something too. Yeah. Or, or if you got it typed up, I don't know. The, the reason I mean the thing I gave you is just kind of you know just my notes and stuff that I mm-hmm. had, but. Honestly, it was like right before Christmas. And you know that verse in Hebrew that says, be diligent to enter the rest? Yeah. Like, it was like God just all of a sudden changed my perspective and was like, rest is the grave. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, and it was weird. I just started getting this this really kind of heavy burden, like, just get this done, get this done. This yeah. Like, like, if I died tomorrow, like, be diligent, get it done, like, to enter the rest sort of thing. And then after, you know, I did that and ordered the books then that it was weird like that kind of feeling left because yeah. it was this weird feeling for a while like i could like i literally thought i could possibly die within the next few days like i don't know what could happen but it was just weird but yeah i don't know so yeah just that diligence to yeah to roast what to roast what you took hunting yeah totally yeah yeah I, that'd be cool though all these man that's a lot of books though <laughs> it's yeah. yeah man it's exciting yeah. and and uh yeah, there's more to talk about this stuff too, but that just gets kind of messy. Yeah, <laughs> but, but this is the season right now. Is these, um, and yeah, I I just really um, I'm reaching out to other people to kind of bring parts to the table. The puzzle, you know, the puzzle piece idea. Yeah, yeah. Is there's you know, the the thing too, and I mean, I like I I know you've heard uh, Jordan Peterson too, and there was one thing one thing that he said that is really I thought was great too is like I, I mean I do think they should should be books also but the fact that he said now like even with podcasts and youtube and everything like that there's like people can in books on audio like people can get books so much quicker and yeah so much faster and like that that there's what used to be written books you go to the library to get and you rent and it would take days and days to read or whatever now it's like there's so many other different ways to do things to actually get this stuff out. Yeah. It, with, I think it'd be really cool to get the video thing up and going where you could do that and mm-hmm. have talks and have visuals and stuff like that. That'd be cool. Totally. But anyway, I guess we can end it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Good stuff. Thanks. You know, I love being around you because you pull on me. You pull it out of me, man. Yeah, dude. I, I, really, I really there's so much more I want to like literally. Here, I'll just end it right here. But yeah.